It was a huge night out, and uh, in my drunken stupor, I actually hit my groin on one of those chunky bollards. But as it turned out, it actually wasn't a bollard at all. I was sexually assaulted by Brad Drew. I know it might sound strange to say it, but if I had the choice between keeping Cameron Smith or Augusto Pinochet in power, I'd still lean with Pinochet. The trio would have to be Craig Gower, Jason Moody, and Sam Obst. Because I just can't see another three players fitting in musically with Craig McLaughlin and Check One Two. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast not to throw Latrell Mitchell a lifeline. Although I am considering paying him 100k just to wash my back. Uh, just the hard to reach places. Anyway, I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today we'll be discussing the future of Cameron Smith, all of the latest around the Latrell Mitchell saga, and Andrew Johns has signed on with the Parramatta Eels. We'll chat about all of that and a whole lot more but first, I am joined in the dark lair by the only man who stopped drinking Fiji bottled water because he thought the H2O wasn't pure enough. Of course, I refer to Xander Risotto. Welcome, Xander, to the show. Oh, good to be here, Eamon. Oh, mate, it's very good to have you. Now, when it comes to your drinking water, see, the listeners might not know this, uh, but you are a bit of a health nut, and I do admire it. Uh, but at the moment, in terms of water, you are simply uh, sort of drinking straight from a frozen Norwegian waterfall at the moment, aren't you? Because that's the purest form that you can find. Yeah, it's hard to get, but it's worth it. Yeah, you'd have to travel there, what, daily, I'd imagine? <laughs> No, no, I just stock up at the beginning of the year. Oh, beautiful. You just take chip, an iceberg. Chip off a bit of waterfall, take exactly. it with you. Um, so you don't just stand there licking it. No, like, I do that too. Okay, great. I, Covered both bases. Exactly. Well, I, I don't stay there. I, I wouldn't have made it here tonight. You see. No, you're right. It would be highly impractical. You lick the parts that you, 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 you plan to knock off, basically. It's a tester. Okay, that yeah. sounds like foreplay. Mate, uh, apart from that, we're about to talk some serious league, but how's your week been? Yeah, let's not get into the week. <laughs> it's been that it's been good, right. has it? Have you had a quiet one or have you had a frantic one? And by that I mean, have you been watching nothing but Netflix or did you inadvertently strangle an Iranian prostitute? I mean, at what level of the spectrum was your week? I think I probably, not, not, not so much a prostitute, but um, somebody, a, a co-worker was probably strangled at a certain point. Okay, cool. Yeah. And now you've admitted it on air. That's which right. Is, which is That's excellent. Right. This will become... HR are going to love this. Oh, yeah. Look, it's evidence in any trial... Podcast to stack up in court, unfortunately, <laughs> Xander. Um, mate, look, we're going to kick off and go into our first topic. And I thought, what better way uh, to start the show than to talk about King Grub? And of course, I refer to one Cameron Smith, Xander. Now, it's been, uh, we all know what happened in the end of last year. Uh, Melbourne Storm were resoundingly thumped by that great team. I don't know if you remember, they're called the Sydney Roosters. And he looked a bit deflated at the end of last year. For the first time, Cameron Smith looked like he uh, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to win again, wasn't sure if he was going to play on again, even though he's contracted to 2020. But uh, much to uh, the rest of the NRL public's disgust, it appears as though Cameron Smith is going to make a return in 2020. My first question to you, mate, is Cameron Smith making the right call here? No, no, I, I don't <laughs> think he is. I don't think anyone really wants to see more Cam Smith, uh, to be completely frank. I'm sick of this... Nonsense of him trying to be the NRL's Tom Brady. It's just, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I don't like that analogy either. No, no. no. Although that one has won a lot more Super Bowl titles. You know, absolutely Cam hasn't won any Super Bowl titles. In fact, although they have both cheated, haven't they? <laughs> they so have. there's a good symmetry there. But apart from that, I don't like the, uh, I don't like the analogy. Mainly because I don't like bringing any other sport into my sport. 
Um, I'd prefer the analogy but to be something like, you know, is he like a grandmother with AIDS? And I would say That's, sort of, but he's more effective from dummy half. Is being a grandmother with AIDS not a sport? Uh, well, it can be, um, especially for booper retirement castles um, because their staff are so heinous. Often they do play with their guests. But we won't digress into that area. Yeah, we'll we'll stick that with, alone. We'll stick, <laughs> we'll stick with Cameron Smith for now. Then we'll get back into pooper later, I'm sure. Um, but no, you're right. I think a lot of the rugby league public, Xander, thought, oh, you beauty, we've got rid of Cameron Smith a year early here. And then lo and behold, and I suspected this all along, by the way, pretty sure I'm on the record for saying this. Um, I always knew he was going to play on because I think he just felt uh, physically exhausted, which happens mm. when you're 78. You know, <laughs> a big, long season. Um, you know, he has probably got a, a declining iron level, declining levels of testosterone, and he was probably just simply exhausted. And uh, from what I understand, he travelled with the family to some tropical location, possibly Tahiti. He's rejuvenated himself possibly got a hand job from some kind of Asian prostitute and now he's back ready to play in 2020. Have I, have I thrown too much detail in again? Probably. Look, it's always possible that you'll get a hand job from uh, some sort of masseuse on, on, on a Southeast Asian trip, I suppose. It, it, honestly, at any time, at any moment, it could happen. You know, it's just so rife over there. Um, Hopping so, into a cab even. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But no, he is going to play on Xander. And uh, there's been calls this week, actually, uh, from one Andrew Johns, who suggested that Cameron Smith could play well into his 40s. How do you feel about that assertion? Disgusted, frankly. I'm just... <laughs> I don't, don't know how I'd handle seeing Cam Smith still playing in his bloody 40s. <laughs> Look, I mean, I suppose it's possible. Brad Thorne was, was still playing, you know, professional footy... What, until he was 39 or something? Yeah, but wasn't that because he had an overactive thyroid? <laughs> Don't He has gargantuanism. I, I have no idea what he has, but it's... Um, yeah, it, it, He's got the head of an ogre, I can tell you that. He's out of a Roald Dahl book, Brad Thorne. <laughs> he's kind of, he's kind like of got a, he's got a kind of jaw that's sort of yeah. slowly consuming the rest of his face. I hear it was... He's, he's coaching, what, Queensland in, in rugby right now, right? And I, I hear he actually still out-trains his players. That wouldn't surprise like, me. You know, which is just ridiculous. Do you know what's annoying about that? That Brad Thorne, you love to deride the guy. You just go, you're just a physical freak and that's why you were good. But apparently he's quite smart too. No, and he played 10 years of professional rugby league and 10 years of professional rugby union and... And one, I think, everything in both codes, which is extremely irritating. Yeah, but what else has the cunt done? Nothing. <laughs> Fucking nothing. Uh, but look, we have digressed from Cameron Smith. I want to know uh, if we don't want him here, and I'm getting the sense from you, Xander, that we don't want this to happen. Uh, my next question is quite logical. How do we stop him? Well, I mean, you would have seen that um, they've moved a positional change for him, putting him at, at, at halfback. Uh, for the next few years, which I think is, you know, I think it's a creative solution, you know, putting him, putting somebody with, with that experience at a halfback. But I think it's, it's, it's a little bit um, of a soft option. I actually think they should put him at prop. I think so. I think you're right. If there's any one way to guarantee Cameron Smith needs to get rubbed out of the game, it's to put him in the number eight or number 10 jersey. Just get him running into guys like Taumalolo at high speed. Obviously, that'd be Tamalolo going at high speed because Cameron hasn't got a high speed anymore. If he has a gear, it's probably reverse. Reverse gear. <laughs> I imagine it probably would look like reverse. <laughs> he's still skillful, but it's almost to the point where he's so slow now that he slowly drifts backwards. You know, like sometimes you get... a bit like that in the semi-final, actually. A little bit. Yeah. You're right. I don't know if you remember, but you know, we used to play like PlayStation 2 back when it was like way glitchier than it is these days. And sometimes your character would sort of glitch out and slowly drift in weird directions. That's how I feel Cameron Smith is these days. He's sort of... 
occasionally you go, oh, is that guy wobbling? Yeah, I think he is. I'm pretty sure he's having a minor seizure. But no, I, I agree with you. If we put him in the prop, how long would he last? About 45 minutes, I suspect. <laughs> 45 <laughs> seconds, surely. <laughs> See, the good thing about Cameron Smith, and this is why he's been so enduring, is the fact that the guys virtually never got tackled. I don't know if any no. sort of yeah. rugby league enthusiast have noticed that, but the reason he's so good is he, he basically runs the ball and everyone watches him, and then he directs traffic. He's a bit like a lollipop man, but highly skilled. So on a serious note, this is actually a, a genuine question I've got if they do proceed with, um, with, with, with the halfback change. If they put him there, I can, you can kind of see you know, why they want to do it. They couldn't get a, 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 like work out what their, their best starting halfback was all year this year. And you, know, you put a guy like Cam Smith there, he knows what he's doing. Um, you could see him... From hooker that he kind of performs the kicking role a little bit already. Uh, it makes a bit of sense. But um, halfbacks have a, a shorter lifespan than, than a lot of hookers because they get hit late so often after yeah, They after do the these pass. days especially. Yeah, so I, I'd be interested to see, you know, I mean, I think that's actually a genuine risk. You put him there. Um, that ability to not get tackled, I think, mm. is probably going to go out the window. I think it's a bad idea. I mm. mean, the guy's the best hooker of all time. Uh, to then decide to make a late switch. I think it's a bit deeper here. I think mm. the Melbourne Storm, obviously, they've had some halfback issues. Brody Croft is on the outer. Mm. I, I heard he was rumoured to go to Brisbane. I think that's been ruled out now. So I think he's still at the club. Um, and they basically dropped him for Jerome Hughes, who's a very good player, a great utility player, but hasn't got... He's not a halfback shoelace yet, um, especially when it comes to the deft skills and the passes. So potentially they're using him. It's less about Cameron Smith and more about the Melbourne Storm. They're using him as a bit of a stopgap for their big vacuum in the number seven. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that does make a fair bit of sense. I still think at this point in his career, it's just, it is, it's, it feels like a risky... I mean, it, you know, it, he's a safe pair of hands, but he is getting on. Mm. And I, Safe I think, pair of very shaky hands <laughs> these days. It's it could go one of two ways, you know. I mean, the thing is, he's not going to be a long term solution, whichever way you look at it. So you're right; he's he's absolutely a stopgap. But you know, how's that going to work for them with the increased contact he's likely to face? I know he makes a lot of tackles, but yeah. I think he's more exposed at halfback. And another concern I have, Xander, when it comes to Cameron Smith, uh, might be because he is aging quite rapidly. Is there a point where, if we do let him go and uh, play past the age of forty, that he might start? I don't know, crapping on about superannuation all the time or he might start telling all the players how footy used to be in the old days, you know. Become... He's kind of already doing that on the field, isn't he? Like, I mean, I, you saw him during that uh, that that um, uh, prelim against, oh, not prelim, semifinals against um, Canberra down mm. in Melbourne, right? You know, he carrying on about um, how they shouldn't be stopping the game and slowing it down. Oh, he's just got a scratch on his knee and, you know, these things. Back in my day, you could see it all over his face. He was already reminiscing about the past. Yeah, you can tell he's already turned into a sepia-like colour, hasn't he? He's sort of drifted into the annals of history already. I think that's just low, uh, low iron. I think that's bit. probably what it is. Welcome back to The Voluntary Tackle. Now, Xander, you may not know this, um, but despite my haggard appearance um, and lack of personal hygiene, I'm actually uh, fairly down with the kids. And I mean that not in the Rolf Harris way. Uh, I mean, I'm... Down all... with the kids is not a statement you want to make at our age anymore, I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, when you're, I think once you've gone out of your 20s into your 30s, you've got to retire those kind of expressions. Uh, but where I was going with that was to tell you that uh, we're quite up on our social media that here at The Voluntary Tackle. So I put out a few... I love MySpace. Yeah, how fantastic is it? That Tom bloke is amazing. <laughs> I put out a few tweets and a few questions uh, on our Twitter feed and hopefully this segment could go horribly wrong. 
if no one has responded. Uh, so I did that about 20 minutes before the show and I'm about to bring up Twitter now. So anything can happen. Uh, we don't know where this is going to go. Uh, so my first question was, if you could import one African city's team into the NRL, which one would you choose and why? Now, Xander, we're going to give you a crack at this, but before we do, why don't we read out some of these answers? Thank fuck there are some, otherwise it's been really awkward. Um, thank you, James Smith, uh, the editor of Inside Sport. He says, the African aardvarks aren't going to wait around forever, guys, to be invited invited to the NRL. Great suggestion, James. Um, in fact, he, I, t- I don't know if he's been a little bit racist there inadvertently because he's just called it the African aardvarks as though that rich pastiche of nations could all be rolled into one. They wouldn't play as a continent, would they, Xander? No, no, I don't think you, you could. be a little bit like having all of South America as one team or, or all of New Zealand. Well, they're basically the same, though, aren't they, South America? <laughs> they all look like Diego Maradona. <laughs> Controversial. Um, Mario, big shout out to Media Watch Mario. Of course, he's responded and uh, he legitimately came through with the city. Thank you, Mario. Yeah, he's voted for Marrakesh and he says, simply because I freaking loved it there and would like the excuse to go again and, and the possibility of direct flights. So that answer's all about Mario, right. really, isn't it? it I don't is. think he gives a shit about NRL players in Marrakesh. No, I mean, but you do want to have a location that players will want to go and play at. Mm. Um, so I can see he's thinking there. You know, okay, you, you, yeah. need, you need to have a draw card. You can't. You can't just put them. You know, uh, in, in the capital of Chad. Yeah, which is in Jemena, for the record. I quite like my capitals. <laughs> um, <laughs> never been there. What, from what I know about uh, the Chad capital um, or Chadian, which is not their denim, um, is that it's quite sandy and quite dry. Just for the record. See, well, Thanks you, for that tidbit of You don't just get NRL news here. You get a little bit of tidbit of geography at the same time. Um, so, yeah, Marrakesh is a great idea. I'd love to go there one day. Now, I've also got this one from Andy, uh, who has the handle at Bowwell Emil. I'm probably getting that wrong. Um, he said, Cape Town, been there a few times, and I'd love to visit again. So a bit of a theme here, yes. Sander. You can see that. There's a lot of self-interest. There's not really... Not really much in terms of what a, a new city would add to the game, you know, how the culture of a city might might uh, add diversity to the NRL. It's more, I like that place. It yeah. has really good mojitos. Where can I have my next Kentucky tour? <laughs> um, which is not what it's about. So, But thank you, Andy, for bastardising our poll like that so shamelessly. Um, but there is one more response, miraculously, Xander, and that comes from Brendan Johnson, or at the Red Heifer, for the record. Um, and he said, Antananarivo, which again is the capital of Madagascar, for those who don't know. Um, he said, I would I go there <laughs> for the sheer amount of unique mascots that they could bring to <laughs> that the That is table. actually, that is a genuinely good response. And that's kind of the, the line of thinking that I came across. Not so much the animals, but, but the characteristics of a place or a city that could be leveraged for something interesting. Right? Sure, I, I get that. But I think the Antananarivo may have a population of 140 people. But they evolve quickly. <laughs> And independently from the rest of us. And you're right. I reckon they've got uh, probably got a huge amount of species there, but I think they're all lemurs. So at the end of the day, your, your mascot's going to be a lemur, I think. <laughs> I'm afraid, Brendan, but I do love your thoughts. Um, so that was what Twitter thought, Xander, but uh, I'm very interested to know, what did you think? So Who I did, did you bring in? I did have a bit of a think about this, and I think we, we had a discussion earlier where I, I had a few ideas, and I, I have kind of diverged. Uh, mate, mate, we don't plan anything here. <laughs> don't, don't give away anything behind the curtain. <laughs> So I, when I was thinking about this, I, I actually thought that if, if there was a city in Africa, you want somewhere that, that is going to bring you know, something 
you know, a new edge to the to the competition. And right. I thought I thought actually we want a team in Abuja in Nigeria. And and my my reasoning is this is Nigeria. You know, if you think about Africa and, and what they're you know there there are beautiful cities like Cape Town. Sure, you know, uh, you could go to South Africa and try and compete with rugby and annoy people there. That'd be great fun. Mm. But Abuja, you know, the 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 scam capital of the world. I just think that would add, you know, a level of graft that even the Melbourne Storm couldn't provide to the NRL. Yeah, could you imagine the salary cap rorts that would, <laughs> would go on in incredible. Abuja? It wouldn't just it wouldn't just be salary cap rorts, though. You know, like they would they would be scamming other teams out of their players. I think so. You're right. There'd be people on the field. You'd be playing Abuja. It might be the Gold Coast Titans, and all of a sudden, like the halfback for the Titans goes, "Where the fuck's my shorts?" <laughs> They're gone because someone's stolen them and they're now being sold at the nearest vendor on the street. Or even more, you know, I mean, like, I, I think they're, they're probably a little more creative even than that. I can imagine at half time players effectively swapping teams because they clicked on a link on their email and all of a sudden they were contracted to the Abuja Tigers or whatever they're going to be called. <laughs> That's right. How come half of my paycheck is going to the local prince here? <laughs> what the fuck happened there? So I think that's absolutely fraught with danger. But I think, as you said, you mentioned one word earlier and I think that was a key one. You said, bring an edge to that's the NRL. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what that would fucking do because you'd go to Abuja on their home turf and you wouldn't know what to expect. You wouldn't know how you were going to get swindled or what crime you're going to be accused of. You'd have to be, you'd have to be on your toes. And I think some of the NRL teams, you know, probably need to be put on their toes a little bit more. I think so. Probably not good to put the women's game there uh, <laughs> because politically things haven't advanced as much as we would like. Mate, they play them in PNG. That's true, actually. And in fact, that's they did a gr- well. That's they a great well. example of rugby league liberalising a country in a way, isn't it? Because it's their national sport in PNG. And to see the women on, the, on that stage... Potentially, it, it might advance women's rights. I feel like I'm making a giant longbow uh, assumption there. We're not really qualified to comment on the political situation of Papua New Guinea, I don't think. But I, I was impressed to see the Papua New Guinea women's team beat England over the weekend. And I thought I loved that, was, it. that was great. But when has that ever stopped us, by the way, <laughs> no, not being qualified to say something? would not exist if that was the case. Exactly. It would just be a series of uh, just ambient noise because we wouldn't be here. Just be the sound of the room and a ticking clock. That'd be 99% of radio in general, actually. <laughs> um, for the record, mate, I, I'm just thinking about it now. And um, I again, I'm hooked on your concept of edge. Uh, so I think if I'm going to import any city, uh, it might be uh, Khartoum in the Sudan. Um, I just think, again, a uh, fair bit of terrorism going on there. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. I think genuinely that would be a tough road trip. Would you, would you would you add in like a you know a South and North Sudan team for for a local rivalry to have a derby? Imagine the local derby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and South South Sudan's put up the bomb. I mean, fucking seriously. <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Uh, next, Xander, we're going to talk about one Latrell Mitchell, obviously been the subject of many headlines over the last week or probably month, let's face it. Um, the papers say he's likely to leave the Roosters and go to either the Tigers or the Cowboys. It seems like the Tigers are firming. One thing that puzzles me, though, Xander, is the fact that uh, Latrell Mitchell's been pretty vocal about this. He said if he goes to the Tigers, he wants to play fullback. So in this whole big saga that is Latrell Mitchell, let's start the conversation there. Could he ever be a fullback? Because for me, he's not cut out for that. Well, I mean, to be fair, he has played fullback, I think, on what, six occasions for us. Um, 
I don't know if we did. Did we lose well. all of them? <laughs> I don't. I, I can't. I you know someone on Twitter will will give us the stats, but I, I don't think our win win loss record was great. But I don't know if you can blame that all on the fullback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my question wouldn't be so much you know can he um, can he succeed at fullback? He, he's a very elusive runner. You know, he's a strong player. I think he he would not be a bad fullback. I don't you know like speaking all, like all in all honesty. The question is, I mean, why is he going for it? And, and, and it seems to me from, from the media reporting, it's, it's because fullbacks get paid just a little bit more. And I think that that's, you know, I mean, I don't think you try and, for a player like him, uh, you don't just try and fit yourself into the highest paying position. I mean, Tal Malolo gets paid a million bucks, you know. Yeah. I mean, he could go and play prop if he wants, but mm. is it the best fit, really? Yeah, he is sort of coming across as the Floyd Mayweather of the NRL, isn't he? It does all seem to be about the big bucks. And there's certainly an economic argument. We all know that on aggregate, um, you know, centres don't get paid as much mm. as fullbacks. Um, although that's, I feel, it's, it's a bit it's of, a silly thing, isn't it? splitting hairs. I mean, Tedesco's on a 900 grand and he was off at 800. I know. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm, like I understand it in the context of your career. Um, you've only got about 10 or, you know, mate, unless you're Cam Smith, 20 years. Um, playing professional football I've only got 40 years left <laughs> I better make the most of this but but you know what I mean I, I can see from an aggregate standpoint yeah you'd want to just get every little bit you can to set yourself up and I I think that's fair for a professional footballer their careers can end at any minute but it does seem like a very marginal increase to be trying to remould your entire playing style into my little, I've got another major concern about Latrell Mitchell wanting to play fullback, Sander, and that's simply because uh, to play fullback, you almost have to be the fittest guy mm. on the ground. I mean, the huge amount of ground coverage that good fullbacks make, especially ones that understand the game and have great positional play. Uh, a Tedesco, for example, massive amounts of yeah, ground He's coverage. off the ball work is mental, right? You know. Exactly. Whereas Latrell Mitchell, we all know his talent and we know he's a strike weapon, but for the most part, he's like a Ferrari that never gets out of the garage. And in fact, in my household, he often gets described as a stalactite. Uh, I should say a stalagmite, because it grows from the ground and up, <laughs> up from the ceiling. Um, but essentially, looks like he's moulded to the turf and doesn't move very much. So I wonder if he would have the fitness and the energy, or even the inclination, to want to play fullback well. It's an interesting. I mean, I wonder if maybe that's part of partially how they um, how they coach centres. Uh, you know, they they like to have players in their channels a bit, right? And mm. in rugby league, the way it's coached now is centres. You, you kind of stay in your you, you, what ten meter or so zone, and, you, and you're told not to shift from it unless you are a fullback and you're and you've got a roaming remit. So maybe yeah. it's just that that's how he's been coached. But that said, if he has been, that's what his NRL career has been to date. Then he would have to really drastically, you know, change his 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 um, uh, you know, playing style, and also, as you say, probably up his fitness and really work on his instincts around that kind of thing. Because mm. what what Tedesco does well, and what the good fullbacks do well, is that they they really you know, watch watch the way the game is developing. They always manage to be there in support. Yeah, and I think the trail creates opportunities like few people. But like, it's it it he'd require a fair bit of work to be able to to mimic that. And I don't know. I I, I don't want to 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 speak to what he can or can't achieve because I'm, he's a bloody good player. But um, yeah, it, it seems like a really Big challenge. No, speak to it, mate. Speak to it. Um, I, I, I like Trill. I still, I still. Oh, mate, it's not about not liking him. It's about what he's cut out for. Yeah. And at the end of the day, can you visualise Latrell Mitchell playing in the same way that a James Tedesco does? Now, picture a, a typical game that James Tedesco plays, where he's hunting around mm. the ball for eighty minutes. Can you imagine Latrell Mitchell, who occasionally, when the ball gets pushed out to centre, 
he can't be asked getting that ball. Um, you know, he wants to turn up for the real money ball situation. Um, I mean, that's why he has a slight overgut hang. Uh, because he doesn't quite. What do you really think same, of him? <laughs> doesn't quite have the same approach to training. You fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I, I accept your argument that yeah. uh, modern rugby league have lanes and it's overregulated, and he probably has been told don't drift too far and wide. But I don't think it explains him being yeah. a complete lazy fuck. Well, look, I mean, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, if if the if the Tigers are willing to pay him. What you know, nine hundred and back end it with one point one, one point two, whatever million dollars a year uh, to to run the experiment. I just give him half of Leichhardt. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon? Just give him land, stand naming rights or something. I, I think so. That'd be great actually, because it'd be a long term investment. Thing, <laughs> it it? Give him give him a clip of the ticket sales. Well, you've heard of Dolly Land, like for Dolly Parton. You just oh, be yeah. Latrell Mitchell World, <laughs> and they just turn the whole thing into a theme park. It's all styled after Latrell Mitchell. Every single theme ride is a bit lazy and a bit slow. <laughs> You really, I love, I love it. I've, just, I've opened this with I like literal. Yeah, so do I, mate. He's a fat bastard and he's lazy. <laughs> I just, um, like, yeah. Look, what can I say, mate? I've had a few red wines. Um, it's, um, <laughs> I'm a violent drunk. What can I say? <laughs> I'm interested to see if they if they put him at fullback. I'm going to be fascinated to see how the experiment runs. A little bit like I, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how the whole Cam Smith at seven getting smashed late. Works. Yeah, I look I totally, and, I, and and from an experimental point of view, I completely salute what you're saying. In the same way, you're like, oh, I wonder what would happen when I put that mouse in the tank of hungry piranhas. Will it somehow miraculously survive? <laughs> I think the same thing about Latrell Mitchell at the Tigers. Will he miraculously, against all odds, at fullback, at a club where they're going to expect way more of him, somehow be amazingly successful? You I did- think that he's up against it. It's it's going to be a challenge, but you know I think it's I think I'd like to see more of it. Actually, there's a few other players I'd like to see try their hand at fullback, and um, you know I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but uh, there's probably a little bit of a, a gap with some of the player losses at say you know the, the Canberra Raiders. I think putting Josh Papali at fullback would be really interesting as an experiment as well. Okay, so you just want to see really outlandish player repositions. Tom at fullback. Okay, so how about that? We just put every great prop at every single club, <laughs> and we fullback. say. Uh, new rule this year, just to spice things up. You're now number one for the whole year, and you can't get out of that. I got to say, you'd be putting like the kick in behind them a lot, wouldn't you? <laughs> and it's funny you, you want to, you want to put those outlandish sort of player positional changes up there, but it's one of the few that you that really is something you need to have a, a special skill set at. Because I was going to say, oh, you know, put wingers at prop, but they kind of play as a prop in a lot of ways. Wingers, I know they do. wingers get you out of danger now. They, this is not how they were. They were sort of built to play, you know, in years past. And right? I, you've just set it up as a brilliant segue too because you've um, something I wanted to talk about, about um, with regard to the Latrell Mitchell issue um, is one little Corey Thompson uh, who has been the fullback at the Tigers, has played a lot of winger and he is sort of the old style uh, build of winger who they almost look like um, a slightly uh, muscular matchstick, uh, which is not what they are these days. They're giant or almost the size of a prop these days uh, so Corey Thompson has been breaking the mold and I'm actually quite a fan of him um, but poor old Corey in the wake of all this with Latrell Mitchell um, and him wanting to play fullback came out and told the media God bless him he said look if Latrell Mitchell comes to the Tigers and, and wants to play fullback I'll fight him for it now he's got no <laughs> chance does he um, Did he mean literally fight him for it? Well, I hope not, because he'd be seriously injured. Um, lazy or not that Latrell is, he yeah. he can swing it. I have a feeling that 
he'd probably lose that bout. <laughs> um, so my question to you, Xander, is how does um, the Tigers break the news to him <laughs> that that's not going to be a thing? If Latrell Mitchell goes to the Tigers, Corey Thompson is not playing. Yeah, that seems to be pretty well. The, I think it's I think it's the way you know you you, you break the news to, um, I suppose, uh, like a war widow through yeah. a telegram. I don't know how did WeWork recently get rid of their staff. Um, um, I think they threw one of those smoke grenades in there. <laughs> Tear gas. They did it Hong Kong style, I believe. Yeah, just do what the American, you know, big corporates do. Maybe a drone bomb. Text message. <laughs> just. Uh, Pack up his his trainers and leave him out in front of the, the club. <laughs> remove maybe, his remove his access and, and cancel his mobile phone. You know what you could do is you live could, like the rest of us, you bastards. <laughs> you could you could jam him into a post pack because he's small enough and just put him like on a direct flight to Abuja. Oh yeah. Now we did have a few other polls, Xander, um, and they drift a little bit around the world of rugby league. Not always fitting uh, snugly on top of the head like a swimming gap, which is a pretty terrible metaphor, uh, but a little bit. And, and the latest question we asked our listeners was this. If Israel Folau was allowed back in the NRL, which team would most likely sign him up? Now, I put four options out there. Uh, the Titans, South, Dogs and Broncos. We have a clear winner here, Xander. Who do you think out of those four candidates would be the most likely? Well, I mean, I think I think criteria for this, if you're... Um you're thinking about it from the team standpoint you, you kind of need somebody you, you need you need a team that is desperate enough for on-field success that they don't care about the pr damage that they're going to do to themselves so i, I think you're answering this for yourself <laughs> <laughs> so souths <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate um, i thought you were creeping your way towards the gold coast titans yep, yeah, that's and, where um, i was going <laughs> and rightly so in fact the punters agree with you 44 percent of the votes thought uh, it would be the Titans most likely. Interestingly, Souths were the least likely, according <laughs> to the poll, at 8%. The Broncos came in at 36 and the Dogs with 12 probably because they couldn't afford him under their fucked cap. Um, but Israel Folau, obviously, it's a bit of a moot point, but um, is there any chance that the NRL would take him back? And in your mind, even if you were in charge of the NRL, would you ever conceive of a time you'd take him back? No, I mean, I think that I honestly think that ship has sailed. Really, I mean, he's he's just a walking PR fucking nightmare, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> he really is. he's not really. I mean, frankly, um, I don't think he's really good enough anymore. Anyway, I mean, people talk about what a what an incredible player he was, and there were some comments during the Rugby World Cup. Oh, geez, Australia, they could have used a good fullback at the moment. They had their worst ever year on record, the Wallabies, and that was when he was still playing last year. Yeah. So, is he really even that dynamic or important anymore? He's a, he's a good broken field runner, but in rugby league, I, don't, I think they're, yeah, I don't, I don't think you need him. I don't think he offers enough on the field to to compensate for the damage he does off it. That's right. And would he be constantly preaching to his own players? Would he be trying to convert? Well, apparently, them? he fucking did it rugby, right? He he was supposedly trying to recruit members of the Waratahs to mm. his church. <laughs> really? Know? Yeah. What during training? Yeah. No, really? not not even kidding. Like there were there were stories coming out of um, uh, the the Waratahs. Some of the players, you know, were basically disturbed because they took him along, and obviously they they saw one of his sermons where he where he said that anyone who um who looks at another man is going to go to hell. It just looks at them. Wow, that's going to be tough on the footy field, isn't it? I know, that's why he was dropping so many balls at the end. It's just... <laughs> Mate, you've got a ball watch. Make sure your ball watch. Your ball, Not their balls, ball watch. Um, no, and obviously you're right. I mean, the off-field stuff is probably the biggest nightmare. But I have to say, 
just from a fascination point of view, I did love his linkage uh, with homosexuality and the and the bushfires, <laughs> as though uh, you know potentially you could fight back bushfires by throwing heterosexual men into the flames, because I assume in like conversely they would put the fire out, wouldn't they? Uh, are, are heterosexual males not combustible, according to Israel Folau? Is this very strange question I'm asking you? I mean, all I can say is there's clearly a lot of bloody gay koalas out there because, <laughs> Jesus, they burn up. They do. Um, but I don't know. I, I think We're all full of eucalyptus and chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I think it's an interesting like question, though. I mean, it also... Wait, legislation. It was an interesting thought that heterosexual men thrown into flames. No, no. I was about to say it's not. The interesting thought I I I was getting to is the fact that this is how he thinks that God responds Mm. to laws that he doesn't like. I mean, you know, the legalization of marijuana. I mean, what does God do to indicate that he doesn't like that? Does you know? Probably has a pack of Cheetos. (laughs) (laughs) I'd imagine. I've I've only skimmed the Bible. Makes it rain Cheetos, maybe you know, to make make people stuff themselves so they learn a, a valuable lesson. I mean, it just just seems that you know a bit of a blunt instrument is what I'm saying. It's not a very deliberative process that God has. No, you're right. But that would be a religion I could get behind. Finally, <laughs> range Cheetos. I'm in. Uh, I got to say, especially if uh, on a Sunday it was cheese and bacon balls, because I quite like those. Um, now I'm not going to digress too much here, uh, Dan. I need to get into the next tweet, um, and this one has had the least amount of traction. I can tell by bringing up the screen now, uh, which probably means it's a shit question, but we'll find out. I asked our Twitter listeners, now that Sam Burgess is retired, who is the best player left in the Burgess family? Is it George, Tom, Luke, or Sam's mum? Now, before I let you know who the overwhelming response was, can I get your thoughts? I think it definitely has to go to his mum, surely. 82% (laughs) of the vote went to Sam's mum, who, to be fair, is pretty fit. She, she definitely does look like she could she could take a few hit ups. Mm. She'd have to. I think she'd have to be pretty tough to handle the four Burgess brothers as a single mum, wouldn't she? I mean, that's that's a tough ask. Feeding them would have been something. Apparently, actually, I remember. What would you have fed them growing up? Just your neighbours? I, th- I think you probably would just lead a, a live cow into the living room and <laughs> see what they do with it, right? I, I'm, I'm picturing probably carve it up on the. <laughs> They dangle it in like off one of those wires oh, yeah. and they just let them kind of eat chunks off it from every side. <laughs> well, apparently their weekly grocery bill was like over a grand. That surprises me because I thought the Burgesses would steal from the supermarket. I wouldn't have thought they would have purchased. Uh, they did play for South, I guess. Yeah, very true. Um, all right, mate. And our final question uh, we asked was, if you could clone any one player and then make him play either 1 to 17 for one team, so basically the same player in the entire squad, who would you choose? And we put four options out there, uh, which was Martin Bella, for those who remember poor old Martin, uh, big sort of uh, mustachioed, bald um, prop back in the day. Uh, Luke Walsh, again, balding, um, halfback, who uh, wasn't very good. Josh McCrone or John Hopawate. Now, this is the closest poll we put out. Uh, We had 59 votes and it's a split decision. On the top here, um, I want to get your thoughts first, though, Xander. I mean, I, I kind of just assume it would be John Hopawati because, I mean, you know, they, they love his handling skills. <laughs> Honestly, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you'd have to have... Imagine 1 to 17, John Hopawati. In fact, you probably could imagine it because he's got that many kids. <laughs> you could absolutely have 1 to 17 of Hopawati's without a doubt. He could have a whole comp. 
He could have <laughs> Hopawati versus Hopawati's Prime Minister's eleven. <laughs> But um, John Hopawati did tie first with 36%, along with Martin Bella. I think because people are fascinated by the image of 17 fairly rotund, bald, slow men, all for the one team. For example, who would be That hooker? was the Canterbury Bulldogs this year, wasn't it? And pretty much. <laughs> Apart from Josh Jackson. Good player. Like him. Um, mate, that, that is an interesting one. But look, going off grid outside of the uh, actual responses, is there anyone that you'd love to see? I think um, you were mentioning before that you'd like to see 1-17 to 17 Brad Fittlers. Yeah, I mean, if you were trying to take this question seriously, I know... It, which is tough. Which is which is tough. It's a little bit like when you play, you know, those old... Um, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the old PlayStation uh, Journal Lomu Rugby, and you could actually have a team of 1-17 to 17 of Journal Lomus. If you finish the game. Yeah, if you finish yeah. the game, and which which was funny because apparently they could kick, but you didn't really ever need to because you just palmed off everybody. No. Um, and it was only... Uh, the only time you ever ran into trouble was when you got kidney disease. <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Um, now, Andrew Johns, very, very talented player. Xander, we know that much. Um, but the question is, would he make a talented coach? And certainly, the Parramatta Eels think so because they've recently signed him to be a part of their coaching staff. Um, now, there's no doubt about it, Xander. When I see this guy commentate, I feel as though Andrew Johns knows more about the game of rugby league than anyone that I'm aware of. He just His brain thinks in rugby league terms, uh, which is probably why he's quite dysfunctional in his private life because rugby league doesn't translate to everything. Foreplay in rugby league is an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> well, I've merged them. Uh, not bad. <laughs> um, but no, so the big question here, is, as Andrew, is have the Eels made a mistake or a good move by recruiting Andrew Johns to be a part of their coaching staff? No, I actually genuinely think this is a good move. I mean, you've got a, a really talented uh, uh, half in Mitchell Moses who is mm. probably one of the most creative uh, young players we've seen yep. uh, for for quite a while, and um, I think if there's anything, he just he just lacks a little bit of maturity and judgment at times. And having Johns on board to help guide that's I, I can't I can't imagine it's going to hurt them. We'll put it that way. No, I mean as you said, there's a huge amount of knowledge uh, that someone like Joey could impart. I guess my concern is the other part of Joey, <laughs> and we all remember the Tamana Tahu incident. Uh, which which wasn't so good. I'm wondering if is there a chance that um, Andrew John's a bit of history repeating? Could he go down that track again? Um, you know, you mean and, could he could he end up being extremely racist and offending <laughs> a player? Well, yeah, I mean, not even necessarily racism. I mean, what if he calls someone a dribbling retard or a dago fuckknuckle? Um, I mean, these kind it's of got, terms it's got seem, to work out west really well, isn't it? <laughs> not going to work out too well. Um, so, do you think that you know the pros are going to outweigh the cons? Yeah, I mean, that would be your question mark. It's a little, it's mm. a little bit like, um, like bringing in a footballer who's got a, a reputation for off-field, but um, you know, poor behaviour. But um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think if you're you the take Eels, the you take the risk. Yeah. All right, let's let's do the ultimate test, Xander. What if you read an article tonight that said Andrew Johns recruited by the Sydney Roosters to be part of their coaching staff? Would you be happy? Ah. Yeah, I think I'd be pretty happy if Andrew Johns came to join our coaching staff because you know he'd have to be be working under um, Trent Robinson and and you know Robbo knows how to get the best out of out of dumb fucks. So <laughs> is Andrew controllable? Oh yeah, yeah, I think he's 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 old enough and and uh, I think I think Johns he cops a lot of shit, but he he has um at this point learnt to keep his mouth shut when his better instincts <laughs> might have 
at him saying something silly. True. Actually, for the record, I actually really like Joey. I liked him. I, am, I actually quite like him on um, the Channel 9 sports um, shows, and I, I quite like him in the commentary box, even though he's a bit of a loose cannon. I mean, let's face it. I love it when he's pissed off. Like when Australia lost to Tonga, him and, mm. him and Fittler, because um, it, was, it was really funny that, that like literally just before the game, I think we mentioned this last time, but he said, oh, yeah, I could see Tonga beating Australia, you know, maybe in 20 years. <laughs> and then they fucking beat us. And they were, him 20 and, minutes. Him and Fittler were dirty as afterwards. It was great. But I can tell you, you're 100% right. And, and that is why the Brad Fittlers and the Andrew Johnses were so good. Mm. It's because they're well retired now. And they still feel it. Mm. And it's that competitiveness you can't really replicate. You can put all the skills training into a player in the world and you can do all the fitness and have them eating the best stuff. But if they haven't got that gut instinct of competitiveness, which Andrew Johns, I mean, again, I don't know if you remember when we lost that origin, when uh, Jonathan Thurston busted his shoulder and we didn't run at him once. Andrew Johns after that game was scary yeah angry. i remember it it was great because yeah. but it just showed why aren't you, you running why aren't you trying to injure him for life i was like i mean it was a funny sort of line of argument but as a new south welsh one i was like yeah she's got a point but he's 100 <laughs> percent right oh, this is rugby league yeah. right it's not tiddlywinks like at the end of the day if someone's slightly injured you don't, you don't go better leave him alone well, what did what did the bloody melbourne storm do when they had uh, cronk out against us in the the grand final last year right did they branded them every chance they got didn't work but no they... in fact at one point um i saw Cameron Smith take out one of those shifting wrenches and just smash him in the back of the scapula. My, my favourite thing about, not to digress on one of our famous victories, but the fact that um, go on, the, the Roosters knew that he was going to be targeted and they kept shifting him in the, in the line. And you could see a, a couple of times Kafusi uh, and other forwards were looking to, Where is he? to try and find him just before receiving the ball. And it led to a few errors it from did. the storm because he kept shifting around. It did. <laughs> they thought they knew where he was. Yeah, 100% right. And that was done with genuine intention. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, that was all pre, pre-strategy and it certainly worked. And in fact, Cameron Smith admitted that after the game. He said, we probably got a bit rattled trying to find him. A bit <laughs> like a Where's Wally competition yeah. or something. Um, and brilliantly done. And uh, congratulations to the Roosters again <laughs> for 2018. <laughs> I don't know if it's too belated or not. Um, but Did it, we say a, it last year, I think? I don't know, a few times. Um, but look, going back to the Parramatta Eels, now, um, just by coincidence, by sheer chance, Xander, at work today, you don't know this, I'm about to lay an anecdote on you that you this is not uh, planned at all. I was at work, there's a cafe next door to me, quite a busy one. I went in there just to get a, a, you know, a coffee and I sat down at this table, they're very small tables, when who should sit down next to me but first grade Parramatta coach, Brad Arthur. And he was there with three or four other blokes. So I thought, this is a bit strange, like the coincidence of that. And I thought, because at first I clocked Brad Arthur when I first walked in and I went, I wonder what he's doing here. And he sat down right next to me. So I couldn't help but eavesdrop. So I don't think it is eavesdropping when I was kind of forced into the situation in terms of proximity. Anyway, hold on to your hats because this is a voluntary tackle exclusive, right? I heard firsthand these guys talking. Now, this is huge. Brad Arthur likes flat whites. Um, I don't know if you know that. I don't know if we can go to the presses with that. Um, he doesn't like soy milk, and he likes it in a, a, one of those medium-sized cups. Um, but apart from that, now we're also doing an interview for a head... Mate, I, I hate to say it, but James Hooper broke this story earlier today. <laughs> he probably did. And he's probably already blamed it on the Trill Mitchell's high-flying fucking lifestyle. Um, no, they were actually genuinely interviewing um, a high-performance coach... This is breaking news, everyone. Um, and who appeared to be from Souths. 
And, and I can all I could pick up was because it was quite a loud cafe, right? Um, but one thing I did ca- uh, pick up was obviously this is think about an interview. Uh, interviewer interviewee situation and he's got to put his resume out there mm. but of course in very rugby league fashion so he was like yeah so you know like damien cook worked well with damien cook and um you know we're explosive he had no explosive fitness until <laughs> i got near him and um but he was he was in a very bogan fashion mm. basically saying i made damien cook the man he is and then he even cited an example he said you know, remember Origin, how he came, made that break, and then he ran around the fullback? He goes, that was his explosive fitness that did that. That's kind of star method. Yeah, yeah I guess so. But he kind of claimed credit yeah. for the great in and away <laughs> that Damien Cook put. But that's what you do. You, you, say, you say, you know, this was a situation. He sucked. Um, so my task was to give him explosive technique. Mm. Um, the activity was I made him, you know, run around witches' hats for three weeks, and the result was that he made this great break in origin. <laughs> he was shit go. before, and then I made him start inserting gelignite up his anus, and then he was fucking fast. Well, sadly, Xander, that brings us to the end of the show. And I don't know if it's sadly uh, for our listeners. I think they're quite relieved, to be honest, especially when I had a go at Lomu's kidneys. Um, I think they're like... Thankfully, they, this isn't a rugby union podcast. There's not too many we're yeah, going to offend with that. Thank fuck, because we'd have no listeners, that's for sure. Um, but look, it's been a pleasure. Mate, thank you very much for coming in and doing this again. Hopefully, we can do this again soon. Um, have you learned anything from this? I definitely learned a fair bit about the uh, recruitment methods of the Parramatta Eels. Well, thanks for listening, listeners. Uh, my name is Eamon Brown, and I've been chatting with Sudoku puzzle enthusiast Santa Risotto about the greatest game of all, of course, I refer to Rugby League. Please follow us on Twitter at Voluntary Tackle and do us a favour by rating uh, the podcast on iTunes if you can. Leave a comment, make sure it's not too disparaging. And remember, motherfucker is not spelt with a double F, just for the record. Until next time, just do what Darius Boyd would do and fuck a proud club over to death by clinging on for dear life well past your use-by date. Goodbye. Well, Xander, we're here um, <clears throat> popping up randomly in the credits uh, in what I like to refer to as a bit of an Easter egg uh, for our regular listeners. And we're going to bring back uh, for this episode the Mascot War, uh, which is essentially where we don't know what we're each other is about to say. And between us, we need to decide which mascot would win a fight. Uh, so on the count of three, Xander, um, we're going to say our mascots and then we'll decide. All right, ready? Mm. One, two, three. Very nose w- wombat. Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Okay, sorry, you have to say <laughs> yours again. What the fuck was Furry that? Furry nose wombat. Furry nose wombat. That's right. Versus a wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, this isn't going to take too long. Um, <laughs> Somehow I thought you were going to pick... I didn't think you'd go straight to Wolfpack. Just thought, what the hell? And just to assume, I, I, I don't want to make sure I'm not ignorant here, but when I say Wolfpack, I'm just picturing a pack of wolves. Um, so a pack of hungry, <laughs> ravenous wolves against, say it again. The furry nose wombat. <laughs> so I'll just, see you next just, time. Just to be clear, when you say Wolfpack, you're not referring to... Um, uh, Zach Galifianakis's character out of, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> out, of that, out of the Hangover. That might even things up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. And uh, no, I'm thinking a pack of hungry wolves <laughs> that we know uh, not just ravenous, uh, but they're quite hungry. Actually, you know what? And I learnt this uh, inexplicably on a recent tour uh, to Tasmania. But uh, wombats surprisingly effective at um, you know 
shutting down predators. Apparently, they're, Mate, they're you need to get out more. <laughs> their asses, their asses are that strong. They have something like three inches of, of skin. So your wolf pack, they will chase it down its burrow and it will crush their skulls. Wait a second. I'm just, <laughs> I'm I need to recap what you've said here. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So if Wombat's I'm getting a badass, if I'm getting this straight, yep. you're putting forward the argument that a furry nosed wombat might be able to kick the ass of a cup like a bunch of hungry wolves with its ass cheeks because they're sturdy and strong and muscular. It'd, it'd use its burrow yep. to, to, to wedge their skulls, and apparently this is a genuine thing that they do. The okay. dingoes apparently when dingoes come hunting them. They uh, ra- they chase uh, they run down their their burrows and and supposedly they'll wait till they stick their noses in and because their asses are basically a flat almost steel like plate, they smash them up and they can crush their skulls with the force that they generate. Well, I'm convinced. What a boil over! 